that song always makes me think of um, when the children of Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir were coming against all Judah, and Jehoshaphat set himself to seek the Lord. And um, you see, they won great battles. But um, that one, and also then when, uh, uh, was it Elijah's servant, you know, he said, open his eyes so he can see this great army that's here because, you know, he could only see naturally. And what he saw naturally was way beyond their natural ability to fight back. (laughs) And so, you know, we walk by faith and not by sight. And if we're walking by sight, we're going to get in fear and we're going to get discouraged and we're going to feel like, and all the circumstances are going to be like surrounding us that, uh, they're too great for us and the battle's too difficult and we can't win and it's impossible. Why should we even try? But when you tap into the supernatural realm where God is and, uh, you know, when we're born again, God lives on the inside of us and we can tap into God on the inside. We find out that uh, no matter the tactic of the devil, no matter what he tries to bring, it's all just a bunch of uh, lies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, I'm trying to remember that uh, there's that particular scripture uh, that says that they are like powerless ghosts. Yeah. Yeah. Powerless ghosts. Yeah. Meaning like you can see like here's a ghost or whatever, but uh, there's no power in that ghost. It's a, it's a powerless ghost. Uh, anyhow, the devil will try to distract us and get us off track and try to convince us that he's the one in charge. And, you know, that's sometimes I think the greatest victory that you gain is when all of your inputs that you have, especially your feelings and your emotions, are telling you one thing and you say, wherefore, sirs, I believe God, it will be even the way that God told me. So it's not going to be the way I feel. It's not going to be the way, you know, what I want to say right now or maybe even what I just said. I'm going to say, Lord, you know, forgive me. I'm going to stand in faith. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to allow you to work in my life. And, you know, I think it was E.W. Kenyon that said, faith is the tracks over, or excuse me, confession is the tracks over with which faith carries its mighty cargo. What does that mean? Well, that means like if you have seen like uh, railroad tracks and railroad, we live out in Gainesville, so there's like uh, lots of trains that come through in the Manassas area that you see. We have commuter trains and we have cargo trains and we like to go out to uh, Chapman's Mill and go hiking and they have like, it's the old railroad track from like the late 18 or early 1900s. And so it goes like right around the mountain and it's really beautiful and picturesque. But you see like some of these come through and they're like double stacked. Uh, cars coming through, and um, they go about 40, 45 miles an hour through there. And uh, man, they carry so much cargo that it actually shakes the ground. And you can feel it, and you can hear it from a long way off. And, uh, you know, recently in the news, there's been some uh, uh, vehicles have been hit by trains and those type of things. You know, those trains don't just stop on a dime. And so your confession, my confession, in other words, our words of faith actually lay the track for the mighty cargo of God to come into our lives and come through our life, for God to bring everything that he really wants to bring. So we just have to give him access. And, uh, you know, back in the 
start of this country, when they started building the railroad, I mean, everyone was, well, not everyone, but most people were pretty excited when the railroad was coming to town because that meant they were going to get a lot of cargo. They're going to get a lot of access. Things were going to change. Something was going to be different because the railroad came to town. So as soon as they saw them start to build the tracks, you know, it took them some time to build the tracks. But once they got the tracks built, then the trains could come. And then they actually had access to many other parts of the world, and they had access to receive things from many other parts of the country and then parts of the world. Because, of course, you know, this is not a study in like logistics and transportation, but of course, the ships could bring stuff from Europe to the ports, and then they had the trains at the ports, and then the stuff from the ships could go onto the trains, and the trains could carry it to the cities, and then the cities could distribute it on the vehicles that they had in that day, uh, even like the horse and buggy. So you find like that when your faith actually lays the tracks, your, your confession lays the tracks for God to bring the goods to you. And that goods is not just, uh, it's funny, living in a Western um, country and culture, it's easy for all of us to get our focus on uh, things. Let me hold up an iPad. That's a thing. <laughs> on things. And like if your iPad or your telephone, like my telephone, the last week has just been so slow, like really dog slow. And they call that, somebody said, that's a, a first world problem, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? My texting, I can't, I can't send a text. Although I would say we were in the third world back in 2005, one of our trips. And that was before anybody texted here in the U.S. We were in the Philippines. And they were texting left and right. They would not call on the phone at all, but they would text left and right. But at any rate, you know, we have uh, such uh, abundance in material possessions in the United States of America that many times we talk about, well, I want, I want his mighty cargo to come to me. I want the possessions to come to me. Well, um, uh, the Lord wants the possessions to come to you. And if you get in line with giving and receiving, sowing, uh, the possessions will come to you. But, you know, the most precious things on earth is really being a new creature in Christ Jesus and having your whole family be new creatures in Christ Jesus and having all of your friends be new creatures in Christ Jesus and bringing the life of God into yeah. the lost world. Yeah. That's really the most precious. But... God is such a good God, he doesn't just like set us free from the power of the devil and the chains fall off and then we're on our way to heaven but we have to live a miserable life. He actually wants us to live an abundant life. And we, you know, in the time of giving the last few weeks, we've even talked about that where God wants you to have all sufficiency in all things that you can be a blessing and abound to every good work. So really, if he can get you financially blessed, he can actually do more what he wants to do in the earth. Because the gospel is free, but the communications method costs money. Yeah. The transportation costs money. Uh, and so, you know, we support uh, missionaries as a church and, um, and individually, and uh, you're able to really take part in what they're doing. But even more so than that, you're able to see God work through them through finances that you're sowing into their life so that they can fulfill the call of God on their life. So it's kind of like, hey, let me take something that the Lord has given to me, and I want to help you. And, of course, that's what God did with Jesus uh, altogether. So last week we were talking uh, about Pentecost. Uh, it was Pentecost Sunday, and we talked about the Holy Spirit coming. And um, I won't spend too much time there, but you know... 
Um, 2 Corinthians 3, 3 says that the word of God was written on our hearts. It used to be written on tablets of stone, but now the word of God has been written in hearts of flesh, the commandment of God. And really the one commandment that fulfills all commandments, Jesus said, is love. And so we know the commandment of love is actually written on our hearts. What does that mean? Well, that means that we don't have to like go to our little piece of paper that has the Ten Commandments and say, like, wait a minute, did I break one of these? Did I break one of these? No, the Spirit of God pours in abundance the love of God into our hearts. Once we have the love of God in abundance in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, then our job is to really respond to the love of God inside of us. And the Spirit of God really is the Spirit of love because God is love. And so as we respond to the Spirit of love, we don't have to concern ourselves with the Ten Commandments because we will automatically fulfill all of the commandments. We'll automatically live like Jesus in the earth because Jesus was a representation of the Father and Jesus did everything that the Father would do. In fact, Jesus even said, I'm not doing this of myself. I'm doing this of him that sent me. I actually spend time with him and he tells me what to do. And then I actually see him working and I do what I see. So Jesus showed us uh, the best way to walk in love, but I'm so glad you realize if Jesus would have come and then he died on the cross for your sins and my sins and took all of your sins and my sins on him and took all of your sicknesses and all of your diseases on his body and took all of your bondage in himself, but he didn't raise from the dead, it would have been for nothing and it would be no benefit to you and no benefit to me. So it, did not, it was not finished when Jesus died on the cross. Even though Jesus said the words, it is finished. He realized like he had consummated, he had fulfilled everything from the old covenant. But in, uh, I think it's Hebrews, we learn, um, Paul said, if we had, Jesus had not risen from the dead, we would be of all men most pitied. Because then is our faith in vain, everything we're doing is vain, and there's no point to anything that we're doing. We know that Jesus had to like actually gain victory over the devil and then take his own blood into the real, true Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies that was in the traveling tabernacle or in the temple was just a type and a shadow of the real. Just like the old covenant is all a type and a shadow of the real. And then Jesus took his own blood. He was a high priest the high priest of all priests, took his own blood, his own precious blood. He carried his own blood in once and for all. And that blood actually is in heaven speaking for you right now, speaking for me right now, speaking on your behalf and my behalf, every one of you and everyone that's listening. That blood is there right now speaking and the Bible says actually speaking better things than that of Abel, better things than what the scapegoat would have better things than any other sacrifice because he was the one perfect spotless sacrifice. There was no sin, uh, no problem, no nothing in him. And so his blood sacrifice was obviously the most significant of any blood sacrifice ever, past, present, future. And so his blood sacrifice is speaking right now. I think one of the best ways to approach God, probably the best way to approach God, is with the blood of Jesus. So they would go, and they would go into the Holy of Holies, the high priest would, but never without blood. 
Well, the Holy of Holies is the presence of God where God was, like the, the Shekinah glory where, where you could actually sense and know God in a different way than you could any other place or any other time. Well, when Jesus died and that veil was rent from top to bottom, he actually opened up access to all people to come into the very presence of God. But the way he opened that access was by his blood. So when we come, when I come to God, one of the greatest keys to uh, being in the conscious presence of the Lord is to come by the blood of Jesus. So when we come by the blood of Jesus, what are we saying? Well, we're saying, uh, I'm coming based on the blood. And that that blood is in heaven right now speaking for me, that that blood was shed for me. If there was no one else who accepted Jesus Christ, I know I have. And I know that his blood is speaking for me right now. So that when I'm coming, I'm not coming then based on my ability to get into the presence of God. I'm not coming based on my ability to understand the word of God. I'm not coming based on my ability to pray the perfect prayer that gets me into the presence of God. I'm coming based solely on the blood of Jesus. I'm coming because of the blood of Jesus. The only way I can even get in there is because of the blood of Jesus. That's the only way I even have access is because of the blood of Jesus. And you realize, you know, uh, years ago when I used to uh, work in the military out here, I, um, I uh, talked, used to uh, work, what do you want to say? I was in intelligence, so you always got to slow down, like don't say what you want to say. So I worked with the White House, people at the White House all the time uh, on sometimes a daily basis, but almost pretty much always a weekly basis. And so um, we at one point went down and visited the White House so we could see, you know, they would come visit us so we'd see where each other worked and it causes greater connection and stuff like that. Well, when you go to the White House, um, and if you watch the news this week, you'll know this, you actually go through like a gate, the first gate. And when you go through the first gate, they kind of check your credentials and all of that. And then you go further into the complex. And then there's a whole nother set that you go through. And that's when you go through the metal detector and all this other type of stuff. And, you know, it's been years ago, so probably none of my stuff is classified anymore as far as how the security stuff. I'm sure they way updated it. But uh, at any rate, you get this little badge, and it's like a thick badge. And then it's colored, and they color code, code them, and uh, there's different reasons they color code them. But at any rate, you have this badge, and this badge gives you access. And so the blood of Jesus gives us access into the presence of God. If you're on the White House grounds and you don't have that badge, and you're not the president, you're kind of in some deep trouble. Uh, and um, you, you may find yourself shot or different different issues because... You have to have access. You have to be authorized to go there. And um, the blood of Jesus gives us authorization into the presence of God, but not just as someone that's coming like the Secret Service have access to go to protect the president and be there all the time. It actually gives us access like Sasha and Malia, like the kids, like we're sons and daughters of God, so that we have access... Uh, to go at, time, at any time, day or night. We have access to go pretty much anywhere. We have access because God is our Father. And the way He's our Father is because Jesus was the firstborn of a whole new generation. We talked about that last week that, you know, 
uh, that uh, Jesus was resurrected on the feast of uh, first fruits. Thank you. On the feast of first fruits, because he was the first fruit. And uh, I love the scripture. He's the firstborn of a new generation, a whole new species. And so, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, of course, says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, you're a new creature. I'm a new creature when we're born again because old things passed away. Because the old man is gone and a new man has come inside of you and the new man is created in Christ Jesus. Is created actually by the blood of Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And so we then gain access into the presence of God because of the blood of Jesus. So one of my favorite stories Brother Hagin would tell that's really helped me, you know, it helped me actually a lot when I was uh, learning how to receive healing from the Lord, healing which is already purchased because by the stripes of Jesus, we were healed. And if we were healed, when he took those stripes and took those sicknesses in his body, if we were healed, that's over 2,000 years ago. If we were healed then, that means that we are healed now. God is so much, he knows the beginning from the end. He is the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, that he knew a problem that we were going to have before we even existed. And he made provision for that problem, and he made abundant provision. He said, you know what, I'm going to put this on my son, and he's going to take care, obliterate every bit of sickness, every bit of disease, so that you can walk in health and healing. Well, there was a lady that came to Brother Hagen. And she said, you know, I've got a question for you. And he said, what's your question? And he said, well, or she said, you know, my husband's family, they are not like the most faithful Christians that you'd ever find. They kind of like not really consistent in their church attendance. They're here and then they're not. And then they, they sin a lot and they mess up, you know. Uh, she said, but when they come to receive healing, they're almost always healed and almost always healed instantly. And she said, now my family, she said, we're probably the most faithful family in the church. We're there every time the doors are open. We're always volunteering. We're always involved. And, you know, we don't, uh, you know, sin as much, you know what I mean, type of thing. And, um, and uh, he said, well, Marge, you haven't told me. You haven't asked me a question. You just told me something. And she said, well, how come? And he said, well, unless the Holy Spirit tells me, I, I can't tell you why someone gets healed and someone else doesn't get healed. He said, but I can tell you most likely uh, your husband's family was always quick to repent and quick to forgive. And your family uh, was probably the opposite. And she said, oh, you've got it exactly right. And he said, well, I didn't get it right. The Word of God got it right because that's the principle of the Word of God. And she said, you know our family. Now, we would forgive you eventually, but we'd hold on to it just as long as we dare, <laughs> and then we'd forgive you. And, um, you know, really what he said is one of the families would come and say, Lord, I just throw myself, her husband's family, over on your goodness and your mercy. And the other one really said, well, I serve in the church. I give this much money to the church. I'm involved in the church. I should be healed. So really, one side of the family is coming based on their own works, yet they're Christians. Uh, a self-righteousness, you could call it. The Bible calls it that. And um, the other family is coming on uh, Jesus and God-righteousness based on what he's done. 
And so that's why one would receive and the other wouldn't. I mean, and you, of course, you learn Mark 11, 23, 24, and then verse 25 says, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. Well, ought means any little thing. It doesn't mean like just the big stuff. You know, I'm, I'm you know, mad at you because you uh, kidnapped my children or something like that. It means like even the little things, just the, yeah. excuse me, just a little bit of, eh, forgive. Because Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, have faith in God. And then 23 says, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things he says will come to pass, he'll have whatsoever he says. Therefore, when you pray, believe that you receive and you'll have, I'm paraphrasing. And then when you stand praying, forgive if you have ought against any. So um, we find out that uh, walking in forgiveness is a great key to faith, to receiving from God, from being able to say to this mountain of sickness, this mountain of disease, this mountain of debt, whatever, this mountain of bondage, this mountain of mental depression, you have to be able to stand in faith. And if you're walking in unforgiveness, you're actually not really able to stand in faith. Because faith is in the realm of God, and God is a forgiver, and God is a redeemer, and God is uh, a God of love. So we get into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus. And, you know, when, when you come and you say, I don't deserve to be here, I don't deserve to um, talk to you, you're actually, and I'm actually, holding lightly the blood of Christ. What we're saying is, this is why it was one of the things that really helped me grow so much spiritually, is I realized uh, I'm saying that the blood of Jesus is not worth it. It's not valuable enough to make me worthy. So I'm really uh, puffing myself up above the word of God. But, you know, uh, I would never do that. And the reason I tell people that is because most Christians would never do that. And once you realize that you're like uh, holding lightly the blood of Christ, you kind of like, at least I do, you kind of like tread a lot lightly. You're like, okay, Lord, I would never want to do that. Really what happened is, you know, I'm more in tune with my feelings and I'm more in tune with my uh, physical being. Uh, Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and... um, Verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 16. This will be our main scripture text for today. And wherefore, henceforth, those are some old words. <laughs> so therefore, from now on, know no man after the flesh. Yes, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet henceforth we know him thus no more. What does that mean? Well, you should know no man, no person after the flesh. This is talking to believers. And in the context, of course, this is the great new creation chapter, you could call it. Uh, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Uh, Verse 1 actually starts out, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, in other words, our body, we have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. That's the new body, the new fleshly body that will get a new body. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle or this body do groan being burdened not for that what we would be unclothed but clothed upon because we're looking for this heavenly body this redeemed body actually Romans even tells us that the whole earth groans because it wants redemption because redemption is of God and redemption buys us back from what the devil uh, put on us and put on the world 
but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. I mean, everything in you and everything in me is fighting against death. Sickness is incipient death. That means it's death in its beginning forms. And as, you're, as you grow older, you find out that the body decays, is what Paul said. So you know that your body is decaying. As you get older, your body is decaying. And, uh, you know, we have health and healing from the Lord. But if Jesus uh, doesn't come back uh, before we get old enough to die physically, we will die physically in our body because our body continues to decay and decay and decay. Um, but we can have, like, I love one of my favorite scriptures is uh, Moses, neither was his strength abated or his eyes dim. So you don't have to like say like, you know, according to science, all this and that and everything like that. My point is just that, you know, your body's decaying, but your inward man is renewed day by day. In other words, you're getting older and older. I saw this week on the internet. I don't know if you guys saw it. And um, hopefully soon we'll get a better projector so I can show you some of these videos. But this lady, the school teacher, retired school teacher, African-American woman, I don't know if anybody saw her. She's 100 years old. And um, she ran a 100 meter dash this week. And... Uh, she ran, I think, faster than my kids could run. She was running like this fast. 100-meter dash, whole 100 meters, 100 years old. And she finished, and I'm waiting for her to finish. I'm watching her. And uh, she didn't just cross the finish line and stop. She crossed the finish line and kept going probably another, what, 20 meters. And as soon as she stopped, I expected this 100-year-old woman, (sighs) no, she's just standing there, and they're bringing her flowers, and you couldn't even tell she was winded. 100 years old. Better than most 75-year-olds. I was like, whoa, praise the Lord. Um, And so anyhow, at any rate, she's still decaying. I mean, she doesn't run as fast at 100 as she did at 25. Uh, But you can uh, grow old, healthy, and, uh, you know, everything we do, we need to do in faith. And so uh, it's it's best to uh, follow... Uh, the leading of the Lord and uh, the Word of God, Amen. and not not settle for something second best. Brother Hagen used to always say, you know, I always shoot for the moon. If you shoot for the moon, you only get halfway there. At least you got halfway there. But if you don't shoot for anything, you know, there's no point. So uh, I believe God for the best in my body and uh, in your bodies, and uh, the Lord will sustain us, Amen. and He'll help us. So not that, we, uh, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Verse 5, now he that has wrought us for this selfsame thing is God, who also has given us the earnest of the Spirit. And we talked about that last week. The earnest of the Spirit is the guarantee of the Spirit, the deposit of the Spirit. The, actually, we have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. In your spirit, you've been sealed. In other words, you're set aside. You are God's. You are God's property. If you have cattle or you have horses, you may brand them. You have been branded by the Spirit of God when you're born again. God says, this is mine. Right? So he has called us his, and he has called us part of his family. Therefore, we are always content, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Right? So we know while we're in this body, we're absent from the Lord, but we know that we're sealed and that we're his. And so we're walking by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive things done in his body according as he has done, whether good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest to God, and I trust also are manifest in your consciences. We are, for we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf, that you may have somewhat to answer them that glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it's to God. Or whether we be sober, it's for your cause. For the love of God constrains us, because we judge this way. If one died for all, then all were dead, or then were all dead. And they that died for all, that they which live should not henceforth, or should no longer live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore, henceforth, this is where we were at, therefore... From now on, know no man after the flesh, yet we had known Christ after the flesh, yet we don't know him this way anymore. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's you if you're a Christian, and that's me if I'm a Christian. So if we're a new creature, we should know no man after the flesh. What does that mean? That means we can't know ourselves after the flesh either and be in the will of God. So, oh, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. (laughs) Oh, Abraham, you father of many nations, because the father of many nations have I made you. So we, you know, we want to see, like the prophet said, open his eyes, Lord, that he may see. So we want to see even ourselves the way God sees us. It's actually one of the most important things is how you identify with Christ in your life and my life. Because if you don't identify with Christ and the blood of Christ and what Christ has done for you, you're not going to do what Christ would do in the earth. Why? Because according to your flesh, you don't measure up. According to my flesh, I don't measure up. So what you have is you have entire denominations who dedicate themselves to confessing, I am a worm and I am unworthy and I don't deserve anything. Well, you know what? According to all of our flesh, we don't measure up. But God loved us so much that Christ died for us, that he took our death, he took our place, he took our punishment, that we could take his life and live his life because he valued us so much. When did he value us so much? When did he put such a high price tag on us? Was it while we were praying, while we were preaching, while we were reading the word of God, while we were in a church service? It was while we were sinners. Missing the mark, messing up, and actually alienated from God, and actually enemies of God. So while we were enemies, Christ died for us, Christ loved us, he gave himself for us. I think it's such an awesome plan because God's saying, "Uh, I know what happens if you get the credit, is that you get the big head, you start acting like the devil, and then you're just say like, I'm better than you, and I can overthrow you, and you know, the whole thing, that happened before, I know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he said, uh, none of us have anything that we haven't received. Yeah. So all of us are on the same level playing field. You know, uh, sometimes you'll hear people talk, and it seems like they have the opinion that they are more special to God than anyone else on the face of the earth. And, you know, like we said, it was last week, the week before, you can do this type of thing because you're so um, full of pride 
and you think like you're God's gift to the world, or you can do it because you feel like you're unworthy. Both of them are self-centered, right? And so you, you kind of you say like, well, uh, you know, the Lord really couldn't trust anyone with this except for me. And so I've heard people say that about a sickness or a disease, right? He had to trust them with that. Well, first of all, God doesn't have sickness and disease to put on you. If you want to like the simple definition of it, like look in the Garden of Eden before the fall, there was no sickness and no disease. Look in heaven after the millennial reign, after Satan is put in hell, there's no sickness, no disease, no tears. So like uh, the only time when Satan is allowed to roam around and be on the free, there happens to be sickness and disease. So sickness does not come from God. God does not have sickness. It comes from the devil and from the fall. And uh, God is the God of health and healing and abundance and prosperity and hope and freedom and life and help and love. Yes. Amen. So, but we want to say like, I know, I, I know myself better than you know, Lord. Like, I really can't measure up to this. I mean, one of the best examples I think of this is Moses, right? I can't speak for you. And he really missed out on blessings of the Lord because Aaron had to speak for him. Because, you know, he didn't see himself the way God saw him. Well, we have a distinct advantage of we're in Christ. Moses was not in Christ. He was counted righteous, but he wasn't actually righteous. And so if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if you are in Christ, old things have passed away. All things have become new in your spirit being. You're a new creature on the inside. And that new creature should affect uh, the old creature. Uh, actually, James says that we need to be born again or uh, our minds and our will and our emotions need to be saved through the washing of water by the word. That the word of God actually saves our souls. Okay? What's your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And if you don't renew your mind, if I don't renew my mind, we're going to act like someone that is not a new creature because we're responding through our mind. See, your mind controls your body. Your mind controls your flesh. And if your mind is not renewed, your mind and your will and your emotions are still going to connect with uh, the old dead man, okay, the old way of life, the fleshly way of life, the worldly way of life. So you're actually trying to conquer something that you don't have the ability to conquer because you have to save your soul. So in other words, your emotions are going to come. And these emotions that have always come are still going to come until you renew your mind. Until you renew your mind, you're still going to respond to those emotions. Because your mind is where you actually decide, yes, I'm going to do this. No, I'm not going to do this. And if your mind's not renewed with the Word of God, if you don't, if you don't actually have the Word of God placed up here and your feelings placed down here, and your thoughts placed down here, you're going to have like reversed. So you've got the word of God. You know a little bit of the word of God, but you're functioning based on your mental abilities, based on your feelings, based on your will. Right? And that's where you find these two uh, issues that so many times we run into, which is, I am so special to God. He would not tell anybody else this but me. I have a special gift from God, and God uses me in this special gift, and I really can't tell anybody about this gift because it's special between me and God, right? And people tried to treat Dad Hagen that way, 
And he said to him, if you don't, you're not hearing what I'm saying. If you can't take what I said and went further. And he said, every one of you can and should have the same relationship with God that I have. Now, you don't have the same call. You don't have the same anointings, but relationship with God. But really, people would treat him like he had a special relationship with God. I remember I was, we were with him in Denver, Colorado, and this man came just a little late, and he wanted Brother Hagin to pray for him, and Brother Hagin had already left the building. And he said, I have to see Brother Hagin. If I don't see him, I'm going to die. He has to pray for me. Because why? In his, he, uh, you know, Brother Hagin was such a man of character. You know, people will say, um, Sometimes I think they're surprised at the impact that that man had. But you know, uh, you have people that would like try to prophesy all the time. But he like, he would tell you, I wouldn't tell a lie over two cents. And he wouldn't. Like he'd be telling the story and he'd correct himself if he was two cents off in the amount of money that he gave somebody for medicine. Because he's talking about we give somebody medicine. And um, uh, so he had great character. So people trusted his words. So it's very important for us all to have character. But the man thought, I can't get to God on my own. I need someone else to get there for me, right? I can't connect with God. And so he really kind of didn't fully understand what he needs to understand. But the relationship with God, we are all the most special person to God, but we're not exclusively special. That means we're not more special than somebody else. So the opposite way is true as well, is that I'm so special that... You know, nobody really understands the demons that I face. Nobody really understands how I was abused as a child. Nobody really understands. Well, Jesus was touched in all infirmities just the same way you were or I was. And Jesus understands, number one, first of all. But, you know, and ministers are not exempt from this. A lot of ministers think that their town has special demons, special uh, spirits, and their situation is different, and you don't understand, this is my congregation, you don't understand, this is our culture, and, um, you know, uh, I don't have time to get into the other thing, but anyhow, we can do that a different time. But uh, every one of us is, has the same access, the same relationship with God the same rapport with God. So that God says to you and you and you and you and you and all of you that I love you, I want to be with you, my son died for you, I have a special assignment for you. So that um, you're not yielding to, say, like the unrenewed mind or the unrenewed will, self-will, um, selfish ambition. You're not uh, yielding to um, poor me, but you're actually yielding to the new man in Christ Jesus. And the only way you can yield to that new man is to renew your mind with the word of God. If we don't renew our minds with the word of God um, on either side, we can't live the life that Christ paid for us to live, that his blood was shed for us to live. So uh, we don't know anyone this way any longer. Even they said, even Paul said, we used to know Christ after the flesh, but we don't know him this way any longer. So remember, oh, this is a guy from Nazareth. This is Jesus from Nazareth. So what can he do? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Or I've seen him before. I know him. And so the same thing is true when you're talking about the body of Christ and those that you come in contact with the body of Christ. 
So like with me, with you, 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 like amongst each other. So we say like, um, if you know me after the flesh, well, you're going to get what my flesh can really bring to you, which is not a whole lot. And if I know you after the flesh, I'm going to get what your flesh can bring to me, which is not a whole lot. But as part of the body of Christ, we have uh, an anointing that every joint supplies. And so you find if you're actually drawn upon God in the person, you can receive from any member of the body of Christ, and you should be receiving from any member of the body of Christ, because every member of the body of Christ is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So don't know anybody after the flesh any longer, even though we even used to know Jesus that way. So you're not going to receive anything from Jesus by knowing him after the flesh. You're going to be amazed. You're going to watch, and you're going to be like, wow, look what that guy's flesh does. Look at that man, right? You're going to isolate him above other men. We talked to the story like about Brother Hagin, like, let me have Brother Hagin pray for me. So like they kind of deified him like people would deify Jesus after the flesh when Jesus is saying, whoa, 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 I laid aside my mighty power. I laid aside my mighty glory. I came as one of you. I came as a man anointed of the spirit of God to give you an example that you do the same thing, that you come as a man or as a woman. You let the spirit of God anoint you and you function and flow not out of your flesh, but out of that anointing, out of the new creation on the inside. And you draw upon that in other believers because I didn't call one person to do this. One man, Jesus Christ, came and did it and gained victory for the whole body of Christ so that every member of the body of Christ with the same standing, with the same anointing, with the same ability, with the same rapport could actually go into the world and reach the world just as one man, Jesus Christ, did. But now I've called all men and women that are born again, and there's no difference male, female, when you're in Christ Jesus, that you all go out and reach the world for me. So God set up the body of Christ to be functioning together and not to be out here. I'm, you know, I'm like a finger detached from my hand moving. What was that in the Adams family? They had like the, the hand, you know, <laughs> like detached from a body thing. It was called thing, right? Thing. So it, we're not supposed to be thing. It's kind of weird. And I wonder if people look at churches and like, that's weird. Right, because we're to function together, and we're not to like elevate a person. Um, you know, we'll have to get into it in, in another series, another time. Of course, you have people that stand in the fivefold ministry office, but it's not the person; it's really the office that you want to um, honor. And as you honor the office, you actually receive from the office. It's the same thing, like with uh, what we just said with other believers. You honor God in the person. You draw on God in the person. And you actually inspire that person to respond to God in them. Really, I'd like you to do an experiment this week. If you talk to someone, talk to them like they're the most anointed believer you have ever met from your heart and see how they act. I guarantee you they will rise to that level. Like if you say, well, what have you got? You know, I feel like, you know, maybe you have something from the Lord for me. Like, well, what is it? You know, now some people may get in the flesh and be like, well, yes, I do. <laughs> I've wanted to tell you this a long time. <laughs> but really, as you um, draw upon the Holy Ghost in people, you'll receive and they'll be able to flow. And all of a sudden, this anointing of the Spirit of God can flow in and through us. Stand with me, if you would. 
Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is alive, that it's powerful, that it's penetrating, and it has penetrated our hearts and our minds and our will and our emotions. And Father, we thank you for your seed that has just been planted into our lives. We declare that we will water this seed, that your seed will multiply. We thank you for revelation, for understanding, for wisdom, that you show us things to come, that you give us a bold confidence in who we are in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray for each and every person that's listening, Father, that you would open our eyes of our understanding, that you'll strengthen us in our inner man, that the love that you have poured into us, Father, that we would understand and know the height and width and breadth and depth, the fullness of that love, Father, that we can be filled with all of your fullness, Father, that we can allow all that you are and all of your nature and all of your life and all of your love to flow off of our lips, off of our tongues, that you can, we can allow all of your love to flow through our lives, through our actions, and through our thoughts. Father, we thank you that we are renewing our mind with your word. We thank you that our spirits are renewed every day. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.